0: Hello, and welcome to A Photographic Life with me, Grant Scott. Um, When I started out with the idea of doing this podcast, um, I thought about it for for a very long time uh, to try and give me a reason as to why it should even exist. And I kind of made a plan, uh, kind of a a rough idea, I suppose, that um, each week, whatever happened in my life... um, I would kind of uh, reflect upon in this podcast and also um, how those things that affected my life also affect my photographic life. And um, as uh, any of you who listened to last week's podcast will know, I've uh, just returned back from Canada, from Toronto, where I've been working with uh, a group of students at the uh, Humber College there, uh, and a group of students from the University of Gloucestershire, uh, where I lecture. Um, And whilst I was there, I received the news that my father had just been diagnosed with a uh, cancerous tumour. And um, as you can imagine, I'm sure that um, that makes you reflect, it makes you stop and think about a number of things. But one of the strange, I suppose, maybe it was because I was in Toronto and working with photography at that moment. Um, it really made me think about the fact that he was the person who introduced me to photography um, as a child. Uh, he had a camera when I was, he bought a camera when I was born in the early 60s a uh, Fujika, and he then upgraded that to, in the early 1970s, to another Fujika, a Fes- uh, Fujika ST, I think it was a 901, um, which I still have somewhere. And um, and he still continues to take photographs, um, film, analogue. And he used um, photography to uh, document our lives. He wasn't interested in it as a hobby, as such um, the photographs he took were of uh, myself my brother um, and uh, my mother and he continues to do that to this day and um, it just makes you think I, I have spoken to a lot of people whose fathers uh, introduced them to photography it seems to be Uh, one of the most consistent ways in which people perhaps of my age and younger, I think, I think anybody who sort of grew up with a member of their family, obviously not always a father, but a member of the family who worked um, with analog cameras um, seemed to come to photography in that way. And my memory of that is very much of a big, heavy camera in my small hands and therefore something which... And also, of course, the cost of of film and processing. It was something that was um, very precious using that family camera. It was something to be done and to be um, to be um, I suppose tutored in, to be taught in how to use the camera and, and what the various dials and settings meant. Because without that knowledge, you couldn't use it. And um, I do remember actually recently uh, I was interviewed. Uh, by pixel rights which again I I think I talked about in last um last week's podcast and I mentioned that the first camera I ever purchased was 11 pounds um and it was a little Uh, kodak instamatic with a Magi cube on top that um that turned around i still have that camera as well i think a lot of us photographers um hold on to those cameras we sort of have an emotional attachment i think to a lot of them i saw homer sykes recently being interviewed and he produced the the first camera that his father bought him um so there you go you know that was something it, it made me think about and um I suppose that also led to another thought pattern, which was around the fact that I've, over the recent years, um, started to look at the fact that um, a lot of people are coming to photography not through their fathers, but actually through Instagram. And that's certainly something I, I wrote an article about again for World Press Photo. Um, there'll be a link be- below this post to that if you want to follow up on it. But it occurred to me that um, the phone as a the smartphone as a as a camera is something that isn't large and heavy and difficult to use that needs to be explained by somebody older and more experienced and more proficient um, than yourself. So those gateways to photography i think are are kind of interesting and previously i've spoken on this podcast about the importance of mentors and i think that if a member of your family did introduce you to the medium that you're now engaged with such as i am um just as i said with mentors um, make sure you say thank you to them make sure that they're aware of the importance uh in your life that um they had uh, allowing you to do something or to use something which was very precious to them and very expensive but which they um, they allowed you to use something else that happened this week which uh, really made me I suppose kind of question once again where where things are going particularly with the photographic press was uh, a British established photographic magazine um, using a crowdfunding platform to uh, ask people, uh, suggest to people that they might like to become shareholders uh, in that magazine, in that business, because the uh, suggestion comes with um, uh, the uh, um, the kind of uh, what's well, the way of putting it really, I suppose the idea that that magazine was branching out into live events and to photo syndication. So I, I thought I'd have a look into this and um, I followed the link as was suggested by the magazine. And I couldn't find out exactly what the pitch was, um, why they actually wanted me to um, make a payment, a minimum of £100. Um And what I'd get for it, unless I uh, signed up for that particular uh, crowdfunding platform, which I could do through social media platforms such as Facebook and so forth, um, to find out more. I didn't really want to do that. I didn't uh, feel that that was appropriate to give my data and sign up for a platform that actually I didn't really want to sign up for. I know a lot of us last week will have had uh, a deluge of emails from companies that we'd forgotten that we'd signed up for for newsletters over the years asking us to continue that due to e uh european uh, legislation around um data and uh it was wonderful because there were all these people i had no idea that i'd or i couldn't remember i'd signed up for so um, I haven't re-signed up for, but here was this platform asking me to do it again, um, just to find out information as to why a magazine that was purporting itself to being very successful and doing very well uh, wanted my money, and I had no idea then what would I get for my money. Would I have some input into the editorial tone of the magazine? Would I have some input into the editorial staff? It's um, its business decisions, and would I be liable for its liabilities? So it kind of made left me with a lot of questions. Um, you may know the magazine that I'm talking about, um, and you may have some of your own thoughts about that. And if you do, please share them, because I think it's interesting. Uh, this whole thing of using the audience uh, to fund projects to me has a, a, a kind of... Um, a positive and negative aspect to it there's some incredible examples jim mortram's book tish Murtha's book todd uh, sorry tom broadbent's book um all achieved their targets and had a real groundswell of um belief from the community that these projects should be supported and then we get a business thinking that they can do the same thing um it will be interesting to see if they reach their target that they're um, they're asking for. And if they don't uh, reach their target, which I think is in approximately 24, 25 days from me recording this podcast, um, what will happen then? I spoke previously about how I was in uh, Toronto last week at Humber College um, and had the pleasure of collaborating with the... Um, Head of the course there, uh, a guy called David Scott, uh, no relation. And uh, his kind of relationship with photography outside of teaching is very much about um, alternative processes, uh, tin uh, tintypes, and so forth. And um, kind of interesting, I thought, because I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people are uh, getting re-engaged with photography through those processes. Um and we had a conversation about the idea of young photographers who are getting back engaged with the idea of analog photography, if not necessarily through the uh, alternative process, but certainly through film. And um, we had both noticed that there that this creates a little issue, or well, quite a big issue actually, for the for the young photographers, in that a number of them are applying digital uh, photographic knowledge, training, expectations and experience to analogue, which obviously doesn't work, Um, rather than seeing analogue as something to to study separately from their digital photography. Purchasing a a camera on eBay that's kind of cool and putting some film on it, and then just running some film through without any understanding of how... Film uh, reacts to processing, pushing, holding backs, uh, developing the film and so forth. But merely treating that film as if it were, uh, you were able to jump, as a particular young photographer said to me recently, it's okay, I've changed the ISO on every frame uh, of the film that I've shot. So, you know, that whole... um, rediscovery of analogue, uh, I think needs to be kind of really understood um, as to why it's being done and um, how the the image should be created before it even comes to the print process, what's required. But it also um, seems to me, um, to this kind of alternative process thing, link with a resurgence that I'm seeing of, I suppose, very Victorian pictorialist um approach to photography and I just wonder why I wonder what's going on with that as to why images shot digitally with digital capture feel the need to embrace this pictorialism but particularly in the referencing of art I suppose in, in the the aesthetic and particular artists and referencing that uh, uh, as a reason for the work being created. Uh, I have no problem with any of this, but it seems to be getting more and more prevalent as um, perhaps digital capture moves further and further away from the control of the person and the control of the algorithm. And we become more and more into the world of computational photography. Um, there is a, a, a kind of a, a callback to that Victorian um, chemical based approach, not only to the photographic image itself but also to the aesthetic that it creates this week I'm back in the shed um, but I still, I'm, I still don't have any answers for anything the, these are musings, these are just things I'm, things I'm seeing and thinking about which maybe resonate with you and maybe you um, Uh, cause you to either question or to nod in agreement with what I'm saying. Um, That's the purpose of a photographic life. It's not to come up with um, hard and fast rules. And it certainly isn't to um, condemn uh, anything that's happening, but it's certainly to open up debate, discussion, perhaps... Debates and discussions which aren't being held for one reason or another. So I hope this week, as in every week, you found something um, just to catch your interest or to make you think about. As always, please respond. Uh, You can respond via Twitter, at UNAphoto. And let me know about the discussions we're having. If you think I'm right, if I'm think, if you think I'm wrong. Either way, it's all part of the photographic life. Discussion, debate, and questioning. Um, I'm pleased to say that um, this podcast is now available on iTunes. So you can now subscribe on iTunes, which is great. And if you'd like to write a review or rate it on iTunes, that would also be really great. Obviously, the more positive, the better. But I'm not going to try and uh, sway your opinions on that. It's also available on SoundCloud, so you can hear it on SoundCloud. Cloud. And obviously, it's available on the UN of Photography website, uh, www. Uh, unitednationsofphotography.com. That's about it for um, this week. Uh, Next week, um, I know I'll be talking about competitions because I'm up for an award this Thursday. Um, And so I'll be discussing that. And who knows what other things um, the week ahead uh, is going to bring. I hope whatever you're working on is working out. And just leaves me for this week to say... Thanks for listening and hopefully I'll see you next week.